Welcome to Indie Dotes, the podcast that shares the stories of independent creators. I'm your host, Susan Bond. Gentle. Uh, Anne Gentle is a product manager at Cisco and she wrote books, uh, her most recent, um, Docs Like Code. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Susan. It's so great to talk to you and hear more about your your life too. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know if my life's been that interesting, but I'm really excited about yours because... Thanks. So uh, tell me, um, you work at Cisco. Can you tell us just a little bit about what that looks like to be a product manager? Sure. And, and um, so becoming a product manager was really a pivot I took about a year and a half ago in coming to Cisco. Um, I had been working on OpenStack, this large open source cloud project. And I had run the documentation, which is a very collaborative authoring way to go with documentation for open source. Um, I had served on the technical committee, and that's a way to sort of govern how the community works together. Um, And I was really looking for a new challenge um, that would let me shape more developer experience, more user experience with OpenStack itself. So... um, Lo and behold, Cisco has this private cloud product um, that let me just kind of welcomed me on the team and said, I think you can do a lot of things here with customer success, um, documentation, support, um, making sure we're communicating well with customers. And I said, awesome, thanks for giving me a chance. So that's a little bit about my journey um, just to get to Cisco. Uh, Now, before that, um, I had a lot of... uh, sort of meanderings to, <laughs> to get to where I was. Um, I love that word, meanderings. I call it's it like, a journey. Right, I call it twists and turns, but yeah. I love meanderings. Okay, tell us about your yeah. career meanderings. Well, sure. So I have an undergrad degree in chemistry, of all things, and mm. I did an internship where I was doing pipetting and testing baby formula, and it was a great experience and a way to see what the job as a chemist was in you know, northern Indiana at the time. And um, come to find out, I found I was reading a lot more about the manuals on running the, the um, testing equipment. And that's when I learned that there is actually a degree in technical writing. So I went, I got a master's degree in technical and scientific communication at Miami University. And, you know, it, honestly, these were in the days when the internet was new, and I worked at the library, which was also a great place for information storage and retrieval, right? So mm-hmm. it, it's one of those, like, the, the perfect storm of, like, I love technical writing, and I love information and managing it and caring for it, right? So, and honestly, that was, like I said, early days of the internet. So the, you know, a lot of the journey was through software companies, um, you know, working as a technical writer. And then in about, I want to say 2005-ish, I started a blog at BMC Software. And so I was the first woman blogger they had. um, And come to find out there were industry analysts reading my blog, but this was early days of blogging, right? So I found that this was a way to communicate to a technical audience about technical things, but also in a, in a like super fast publishing mode, 
um, immediate feedback was great. And I, I just kind of looked around and, and said, wait, I, this is a new experience. Somebody, you know, is there anybody else doing this that I could reach out to and connect with? And, um, you know, come to find out, no, there was no one else doing this. <laughs> you are alone. <laughs> I was, I was the one. And, um, so I, I, I sat down and started writing up my notes from my experiences using social media um, in, in you know innovative ways for technical documentation. So um, that all became a book um, where I was able to kind of look around and say, "Who else is doing this? No one else is doing this. I'd better write this down." Okay. <laughs> so in that in that became um, my first book, Conversation Community: The Social Web for Documentation. So. Mm. That, you know, partially that journey happened because I was able to get an apprenticeship to learn how to use wikis for documentation. Mm. So, you know, not only blogging, but then the other thing coming on the scene was this wiki, quick editing, right? Quick publishing. Um, And again, I looked around, I was like, who else is doing this? And it was either like, um, you know media companies that I didn't really see a way to get into or open source. So that was great. And, and, and through these like strange connections, um, it turned out that the XO laptop, which was a open source project um, to make those tiny white and green computers for kids in other countries, um, they needed a manual and it needed to be written for parents and teachers and students using these little notebook computers. Well, I managed to like volunteer my way into working on a book sprint for the XO laptop. So there, there was a group called Floss Manuals um, in Europe. It's not open source software; it's free Libra open source software. So mm. that was Floss Manuals. They um, we got funding for buy-in plane tickets to get people in the room in Austin, Texas, and all sit down for four days, five days to write a book collaboratively. And um, Adam Hyde um, started facilitating these things called book sprints. And so that was my introduction to open source was, you know, collaborating with others, very tight knit, close and fast groups on a wiki that could then publish a PDF that could become a book. Wow. And so how did you so then how did you can you fast forward us how did we how did docs like code come about right so because i had that experience with open source software um when a job opportunity came up in my backyard in austin texas at rackspace um, for this new open source project um literally summer of 2010 you know north american summer of 2010 uh, rackspace decided to open source this um cloud computing project and at the time it was you know pretty much only this object storage project that they had in-house and they open sourced it and um, myself as a technical writer and a community manager were two of rackspace's first hires for openstack and so you know i kind of look back on it like wow this, it's like I wrote the book Conversation Community in order to describe this job description of writing an open source. It was it was this amazing. That's a great. That's so great. And, and yeah, and it, I mean, I I think I even described it to someone that way. And and so that's 2010, right? Um, and so 
now we're in 2017. Well, I've served in OpenStack for, you know, many, many releases. We release twice a year. We do documentation in the same way that developers collaborate on the code. And so that was really key to, um, I guess, making sure that anytime you did a documentation patch, it counted the same as a code patch and that the review process was the same. And so you could have confidence in whether or not your docs were as good as the code or match the code. And especially when, you know, fast moving projects, Open, OpenStack was on this ginormous climb in popularity, adding projects, and we just needed a way to scale and keep up. Um, and so, yeah, and so that's the genesis of docs like code was all of my experiences there, um, learning how to, um, you know, set up a developer system so that you could build the documentation. Um, I relied a lot on people who knew a lot about Linux and bash scripting in order to be able to automate the building of the docs. And so, like, Docs like code is an amazing movement because it just empowers so much more of the, like, because of the way that we can automate and continuously integrate and continuously develop, that frees you up for so much more, um, you know, information management and information architecture and really advocating for users and really understanding users. So, so it's, yeah, I'd have to say CI/CD for Docs is one of the huge takeaways for Docs Like Code. Too. Can you give us just a little bit about some of the topics you cover in Docs Like Code? Oh, sure. So, um, it's basically about how starting out, like, why would you even try this, or in what environments does Docs Like Code make sense? Ah, right. So, because it may not make sense in every single environment. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. there's there's people investigating it for say. Um, Healthcare. Well, there might be regulation that might prevent the gains that you would get from this. So I kind of looked at it from the aspect of how open can you be in your authoring process um, and how open can you be, you know, in, in the build process, I guess. Um, and kind of also look at how the world's changing. So when was the last time at your job you were issue, issued a desktop computer? And I know your audience is technical, you know, and in the IT industry and, and I want to say that's 10 years away, 10 years gone. I always get a laptop. Oh, um, yeah. I'm trying to remember the last desktop I had. Right. I, I'm trying, it was like probably in the mid 2000s. And I, I remember it because the fan broke on it. Oh. And like the starter broke, but it, once you got it going, it was fine. So I just, I would have to literally, my dad's a, my dad's a mechanical engineer. Oh, excellent. So my dad came to my house one day and I was like, it's broken. Do I have to get a new computer? And he said, no, and he took out a pencil and he started the motor. And then he said, okay, now don't turn it off. But if you turn off the computer, then all you do is stick your pencil in here and get it and give it some oh, momentum. It'll so be great. fine. Oh, that's anyway, awesome. That's why I remember the last time I had a desktop, which was, uh, I mean, anyway, so yeah, so desktops a long time ago. Right. And so we're all, yeah. And so we're all sort of more mobile workers. We're yep. also more remote workers. And so that's where these collaborative coding systems come into play, right? Because GitHub enables social coding for everyone. Um, I can work with other people. I can comment on their things. We can do reviews back and forth. And so I think that's the other shift that we're seeing. Trying to just get a sense of like what's changing in the, the world of technical writing, what's changing in the world of development, right? And so another thing I observed was this explosion of REST APIs. There were like a handful of REST APIs. And now fast forward, you know, eight, nine years, 
we're looking at like 10,000 APIs that have to be documented. And that's just in the REST API world. And so I think that there were there was sort of this convergence of um, the openness of how you could write your documentation, the, the remote nature of work and the collaborative nature of work, and then also that the tools could be applied, right? And that there was such an immediate need, especially when you look at, you know, REST API explosion, 10,000 REST APIs. In OpenStack alone, we ended up doing an audit just of the REST API documentation. And there are over 900 calls just for using a compute endpoint, which means I'm going to make these calls over HTTP to stand up a virtual machine that lets me have computing power immediately. And so I think that was kind of the impetus was there's, there's so much change it's so fast, we have to keep up. You know, what, what, when I look at all these changes, what are some of the answers? And where can you best apply docs-like code? Mm. And who did you envision as your audience? Like, who did you, yeah, you know it's what I mean? Interesting. Who, who, yeah, um, there's, a, there's a community called Write the Docs, and it's this great blend of not only technical writers, but also developers and developer advocates or evangelists, so people that actually um, want to represent the developers and write for developers and do tutorials for developers. So honestly, the Write the Docs community was who I had in mind. And there's a little bit of a struggle because um, it's not just tech writers, it's not. So it was aimed at, you said originally like the Write the Docs community, but it was aimed at more broad, is that what you're saying? Exactly. This book, I haven't, I've had developers say, this is a great book to learn documentation, right? And so it's almost like I don't, I don't want to exclude anyone from the book. But at the same time, it's meant for software. Um, it's very much meant for people who are designing APIs or trying to find ways to teach others APIs. Um, it's definitely leaning towards the code control ecosystem and tool set, right? So, and, and some of the feedback I got was, um, why is it very GitHub focused? And I, and I looked at it and I was like, oh, I was going to ask that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't actually think it was until someone pointed that out. So, um, in OpenStack, we use a tool called Garrett and it's a review system that sits on top of a Git based, um, repository. So in OpenStack, because we want to use open source software throughout, we only mirror our repositories to GitHub. And so it is a way to look at them and it is a way to browse them and it is a way to clone them, but it's not our, um, it's only a mirror. It's not our sole safety place to keep them. Um, and so the infrastructure in OpenStack uses this entire other review system called Garrett, right? So, yeah. and then, um, you know, I came to Cisco after pretty much only using Garrett. And so partially I wanted to learn more about GitHub because I've sensed that's where almost everybody is um, who's coding collaboratively. And then I found that internally at GitHub, we have this amazing developer.cisco.com site. And so it was actually built um, using docs-like code as well, except for very much in the Atlassian ecosystem. So Bitbucket was the storage system. And it's still Git-based, and so you can do all your Git command line work, but it's Bitbucket for the web-based UI. Um, and then other teams were using GitLab. Yep. Has that great Fox logo. Yep. And so all of this kind of opened my eyes to, like, this is this is the, the entire ecosystem. All of these 
I should write this book in such a way that these principles are applied generically. Or you can throw them out if you're like, well, I, you know, I don't see myself fitting into that kind of system, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. And so um, I guess the other question I have on this is, uh, I want to actually go more about the pro- go into the process. Sure. Which, like your your other book, was that traditionally published? Yeah, and so that's an interesting right, thing. Like that... versus, because Doc's Like Code um, was pu- self-published? Yes. And so okay. this is, again, where I had to stretch more and more. So I actually contacted my publisher, uh, Richard Hamilton at XML Press is great. He, I was one of the first books he published through his sort of independent publishing system that was a lot um, geared towards technical writing and technical writers. And I had this idea for a book. I had a lot of content already written, had already kind of gathered some people to write with me. I go to Richard Hamilton with kind of all these bits and pieces, like, I'm thinking of putting this thing together. And he's like, Anne, I've got such a backlog, I can't look at it for three months. And I said, okay. So I still felt like I needed to... Because again, I was kind of looking around like, who's writing this down and who else do I know that does this and what can we start to find as best practices, right? And so the great thing was, I said, okay, is it all right with you if I try to do this on my own? And he's like, go for it. So (laughs) I had had experience with Lulu.com because of OpenStack, because um, I used some of those same book sprint strategies that I had learned through Floss Manuals and brought in the facilitator, Adam Hyde, and had him do a book sprint with us for the OpenStack operations guide. And all of that was, again, through our Docsite code method, but in a sprint format, and I needed a PDF at the end of the the five-day sprint. So I used Lulu at that point. And my understanding is Lulu um, was founded by one of the Red Hat original founders. So I found it very open source understanding, open source friendly. Mm. And right, and the licensing lets you use um, Creative Commons licensing, which was important to me just sort of as a, I, I think attribution is great. I think also though that sharing as widely as possible is great, mm-hmm. especially for content. So, I yeah, I thought, well, I'm going to do all this. But here's the great thing. So, I learned everything a publisher went through to get my other book done. And I'm like, Richard Hamilton, I'm so appreciative, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. and um, a lot. There's a lot more than we think. There's more than you think. And one of the things I found along the way was not only like, I, so I have a fabulous editor friend who, if I hadn't found her, I don't, I don't, I would not have attempted it because she just... She found my voice, she edits in a way that lets me still have style and helps me organize. And then Diane is just super experienced, super technical. And so it was almost like this perfect um, collaboration because that's what I love, right? So it's only fun to do if you're doing it with people you love working with. But then I found out, oh, there's an entire copyright page that I have to have and I have to find all the first mentions of certain things and know whether it's a TM or a circle R and then I have to actually go through the legal entities to make sure I have permission to include this in my book. So, you know, I, I made sure, oh, it was a pile of of detail that I hadn't thought through. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, that, I mean, there's even more, like there's so much about publishing your own book that is really detailed and takes a lot of effort. Yeah. And I wanted to make, you know, I met with my manager at Cisco. He was super supportive. He, you know, made sure that we went through the right channels to make sure that intellectual property is mine, you know, met with an ethics organizer at Cisco who was wonderful. And so we just made sure that it was all. So they were supportive. Oh, absolutely. It was great. 
Yeah, so they were very supportive. They were open for you, you know, writing a book and putting it out there in the world. And, and your manager wanted to make sure that you owned the copyright so there was no copyright issues. Yes, it was great. That's fantastic. Yeah. And that then, that you know, can be a question mark, right? Oh, you don't want that to be a question mark. You don't want to doubt that. And, you know, because, again, I was like, I need to share this. I need others to learn it, you know. Well, I have a question about that. Sure. So what you what you put in docs like code was any of that work you had done at Cisco, or was it stuff you had been doing, you know, at OpenStack or on the side? Oh, for sure, a lot of it was stuff I had done at Rackspace. So I also contacted their legal department, who I still had friends there, and could say, "Do you guys mind reviewing this, making sure it's okay?" I made sure the OpenStack Foundation was good with all of it, um, and. Yeah, yes. I mean, you absolutely need to to make sure that you're teaching things that could be learned anywhere was sort of Cisco's take. Now, like I said, you know, when I got to Cisco, I was like, oh, I can learn a lot more about GitHub. Um, but, you know, so many of the lessons I learned are now going into at Cisco are now going into a second edition. And so I'm really trying hard to turn around a second edition. Um, in the next month or so, where I talk about how to do versioning with documentation, um, very similar to software, but also um, you can borrow a lot of practices there. But I added an entire 20 pages to this next edition um, to try to tell more tales of what I've learned since even finishing the first edition at Cisco. Well, yeah. Right. Yeah. So wait, I have more questions about this. I want to. Okay. This a Let's dig bit. in. Yeah. Let me. Let me. I want to unpack it a tiny bit. So. <clears throat> So with Cisco, was there, a, because it, I talk about independent creators and I love to uh, interview independent creators, but I'm also very clear that independent creators can also sometimes have traditional jobs. Yes. Right. Yeah. So the independent creation part is, you know, you self-published it, or even if you had a publisher that was something outside of work or something right. like, that's yours, right? Whether it right. was through a traditional publisher or not. So the, the, the curiosity I have, and I think um, my folks might be wondering is, mm -hmm. so was, was Cisco, did they have any boundaries for you about what you could talk about or not? Or, you know, uh, anything that's a good you've question. done? Yeah. Um, you know, I've been through media training and so I sort of borrow from that anytime I'm talking to anyone. Um, there was were, that media training through Cisco or was that outside? That was at Rackspace. Oh, okay, great. It was so, great. But you still use that. Then. Exactly, because it's not it's not for it's not for someone who's not detail oriented, and it's not for someone who, um, do, you know, you can you can run into situations where you're putting your company at risk, and that's no good. Nobody wants that either. Right. Not in my case at all. None of this. What you know, some of the questions were like, is this something that only Cisco can use. Um, I can't even remember all the ethic questions. But yeah, just be very mindful going into it. Like, oh, I'm going to have to think through what I'm doing here and who and all there was, was there anything that they asked you not to talk about or take out or no? Um, not that you have to tell us what they told you. I'm just curious. I'm trying to they... think. Yeah. Um, you, you know, even talking about some of the Rackspace things, um, they open sourced this tool called Deconst that was our publishing platform and framework. Um, you know, no qualms there. So a lot of it I could do because it was very, I was very much in an open source context all around. And ah, got it. Yeah, I mean, even at Cisco, we make a product out of open source OpenStack. So that's, I think, a big clue to all of the like ramifications are like, it's open already, everyone can learn this kind of thing, yeah, yeah. So 
Got it. So that that meant that there were less maybe concerns or conflicts because of yes. the, the idea that it was open source. Definitely. That make that makes that makes a ton of sense. So now I want to talk about you've got the next version coming out. When yeah. did you publish the first version for listeners? Oh, it's hilarious. So um, the first version came out only six months ago. I was going to say it was yeah. pretty recent. Yeah, yeah. And then you're already in the second uh, second edition. Second edition. And some of that is, so a lot of what I wanted to do because I was new to product management was like, okay, with a side project, can I learn how to manage, how to make a product and market it and sell it online and 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 oh that's so great this is a lot of ands right yes writing a book is not just i get to sit down and write and then and then what and then what who's gonna read it and when you self-publish it there's so many things that you have to learn right right and so even learning how to use mailchimp for newsletters i started doing in the side project first and then found out hey this would be really helpful to metacloud customers as well let's transfer these skills right so i also found lots of ways to leverage something i had learned on the side job with my real job that made it all even more worthwhile so well that happens right i actually think some of the best side projects can there can be that interplay that you actually can take that onto your traditional job because um, there's skills that maybe you wouldn't have to learn, but that you can right. augment can augment what you're doing. And in my case, the real job was like this huge customer list, very enterprisey, and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to start small. Where can I just kind of experiment and play? Oh, with my little newsletter, absolutely, I can try things. You know, so yeah, that was that was part of the like side side project as experimentation. I love that route. It's so exciting. It's super fulfilling, a lot of career. You can build a lot of career assets for yourself by yeah. teaching yourself new skills. Yeah. So what would you say was the hardest part of all the other skills you had to learn? You know, I think the post-production communication planning, which sounds odd, but I had to figure out, okay, what channels do I need to promote this on? Who needs to know about it when? Um I think somewhat the legal aspects were intimidating, but I also really like checklists, and I could just kind of check, 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 check from the list yeah. of trademark check- checklists names, right? are great, right? Love. <laughs> like, my favorite thing is checking things off a list, right? Uh, but where I really had to, yeah, but where I really had to stretch was like um, self promotion, um, which sounds crazy to some people, but I just love the the way that women leaders, especially, are starting to think about this, like. Um, it's not a brand, it's not a platform, it's my voice. Um, and so, like, one of the antidotes to reading Lean In, which is a great book, and, and I think really real, well-researched, um, was another book by Tara Moore, where she talks about finding your voice, I think is the title. Oh, I've heard, I've heard uh, of this book. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah, and so that really challenged me to, to see where, you know, where am I having that sense of fear and is it fear from an external source or fear from an internal source and so her book kind of walks you through exercises you can do and figure out well what you know what is holding me back and and you know is it from you know some inner voice it's like well Anne, you'll never figure that out right and i kind of struggled with that even with like using jekyll for versions so jekyll is a ruby based um it basically creates the HTML from your simple markup. Mm-hmm. But IKEA, I, and I, I, it was new to me coming to Cisco. The Ruby was 
ecosystem was new to me coming to Cisco because OpenStack is all Python all the way down. And so we had done version control for documentation sites in OpenStack. I had a lot of guidance from other people who knew how to do it well. And then I had to translate all of that to Jekyll. Well, a lot of it didn't translate at all. And so I, it was one of those where I was like, I'm afraid I'm going to fail miserably and find out that Docs' code with Jekyll doesn't even work because I can't version. Oh. It was, I mean, it was a struggle, right? And so that's why I felt I had to put it in the next edition. But I had to go phone a friend. I had a good developer friend, Carolyn Van Slyke at Rackspace, who is now independent herself. And she helped me out with one solution. Then I found another on my own, right? So some of it was just kind of trying to find my way. Am I technical enough? Have I figured out enough? does this only work in open source and now I've totally gone down the wrong path at Cisco. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, there's a, a, lot there's, of a lot, there's a lot of doubt and a lot a, a lot to it. So it sounds like um, part of the doubt was about like just self-doubt and like the topic and taking on a meaty topic, like am I technical enough, at, yes. as you said. And then also um, I go back to that idea of like having to stretch around self-promotion. Yes. So that, that was also a challenge for you. Yes, to, definitely. To, to stretch around that. Yes. Um, and what have you learned about yourself and, and self-promotion or how you do it best or, you know? You know, I think... So I actually hired a life coach early on when I was like, I have this idea for another book. I'm going to make it happen. How can I just kind of get myself through with not just checklists, but doing it very purposefully? And Wait, so how did you decide to so, hire? Like, what was the impetus of hiring that coach? I wanted to not just check another book off my list, but do it in such a way that I was offering something to a community of people that I really related to and saw a chance for growth and change and wanted to kind of navigate through what I was seeing, whether or not I was early, I don't know, but I just had this like um, drive. And, and that also lends back to Tara Moore. So this life coach friend of mine was the one who had initially suggested the Tara Moore book. And I was like, I really need all of these pieces to come together for me somehow. So <laughs> So yeah. Wait, so how did you find? So how did you find your life coach? Oh, she's a good friend of mine from years okay, ago. Okay, got it. Yep, yep. Got it. So yep. you, when you went out to look for one, you were, you already had someone in mind. I had someone in mind. Yep. Got it. And, and how did you use that life coach? Yeah, in the process. Yeah, and at the same time, I was transitioning from Rackspace to Cisco, and so I was still working through a lot of things with that, where, um, you know, like new managers, new teammates, and all of that. So I had this person I could meet with weekly to go back to, who could help me sort through the change I was navigating myself. And I really wanted to be held accountable to, I have a voice, I want to use it, I think this new book idea is the way to do that. Hold me accountable. And sure enough, Jenny Remington did a great job of not only giving me like a tool set to navigate through the change I was experiencing, but also make the work meaningful and integrate it with family life and you know, help me see where the place where I had the voice could be best put to use, I guess. Um, so that was fantastic. And, you know, even just um, having more in my toolkit to like evaluate a speaking opportunity has been super valuable that I never thought I'd get out of a life coach. <laughs> right. Um, knowing when to say no. Um well, that has to be important too, as you're writing yeah. and promoting the book. 
uh, I think we think we're always supposed to say yes, but there's actually a lot of power in what we say no to. Exactly. And if you're really going towards a one thing and you have a, a super clear vision, you're going to have a much better day-to-day life too, right? Um, I'm raising two kids. They're 10 and 14. It's very intense right now, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so how can I be the best role model to them? Which a role model of crazy busy mom who never has time for them is not a great role model. Well, right. And right? so, you have that, so you know, you're transitioning jobs and right? you have the, and this role. Right. And you're writing a book and you have kids. Right. Like, and they're like, mom, you're doing a podcast? And I'm like, well, I'm not making a podcast. I'm going to be on one. And they're like, that's so great. You know, so... <laughs> It, yeah, it's it's partially like being that model of vision that you want your kids to see is like, I set a goal, I achieved it, you know, it's it's moving forward. And so when, when you were writing um, Docs Like Code, um, how long did it take to write the book? Oh, good question. Um, I had a couple of articles that I had written for opensource.com with Andreas Jager who was the collaborator in OpenStack. And so two of those I knew could be the basis for a couple of chapters about um, the code aspect and the the continuous integration aspect. And then I had written down like, well, why would you even do this? So I, I you know, started with that. And we want, I wanted to write it on GitHub itself. Um, so that was part of it too, was like, well, what tool chain can I get a nice ebook out of it? I ended up choosing Gitbook. And so I want to Why did you want to write? Yeah, sorry. Why did you want to write? I want to go back. I will go back to like how long it took, but why did you want to write it on GitHub? It was important to write it on GitHub because I could then show whether these techniques, like I could be more genuine about whether these techniques are something I truly do, I guess. Um, Right, like walk the talk? Right. Okay, got it. That makes a lot of sense. Right. And I mean, you know, in software world, it's like sipping your own champagne. Um, I love that. So yeah, where do these ideas fall over or where are these just too blue sky and, and when reality hits, you know throw everything out. <laughs> so I had, you know, I had a couple moments of that, I, but I, I'd have to look through the Git. Um, uh, and the other thing I struggled with too is like, it's a private Git repo and having written all in the open. And actually the, the, the man who wrote the forward for us, Eric Holscher, he's one of the co-founders of Write the Docs itself. And so yeah, we're, we're actually going to have him on the show. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yep. And so we talked about that, like, yeah, it's really hard when you're used to writing everything open to like suddenly cut that all off and go closed. Right. So, yeah. Um, but I want to say probably, uh, even if I include the, 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 the time it took to write the articles, right? Like it's probably a year's span of time passing, but, um, you know, sort of intently writing and convincing others to write with me, um, maybe six months. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that, that's not bad. Not well, bad. have, I mean, especially cause you have children and you have a full-time job. Right. Right. Exactly. So you would just, would you find, what was your style? Would do, were you like snatches of time kind of person or were you like devoted like Saturdays, leave me alone, I'm writing? I love to go to the coffee shop on Saturday mornings. Oh, like that nice. is my totally favorite thing to do. There's and something yeah, my kids about are older. a coffee shop, right? Yeah. Like the, the noise, the, the little, I love the, like the steam, the shh, you yes, know, I actually yes. kind of like it, you know. There's yes. that delightful white noise. So you'd go on Saturday mornings and you would work on it. Yeah, and I and a lot of times after the kids go to bed, we're just sitting watching TV anyway. So, you know, daily show and writing up notes and whatnot for sure. Yeah. And I try to be really cognizant of um, 
you know, not mixing work with it. One of my friends, uh, Nikki Acosta, runs a podcast as well. And she's like, oh, we should talk about your book on my podcast. And I'm like, well, I don't want to use a Cisco platform. It's not necessarily, it felt unfair or something. So um, hmm. I did, I was kind of conscious of like, well, I better file that away or do that later or whatnot. Um, and another thing I was trying to do at the same time was set up this docsletcode.com website where all people who are practicing this today could write articles. So, so that's kind of the open side. Now, anybody can write for that and I'm doing it in a GitHub way where you accept a pull request to write an article. Yep. Which is fantastic. Um, and so I consider that to be the ongoing work as well of, you know, what other stories are there out there? I mean, one of the most popular ones on the site right now is about using Swashbuckle and .NET to write um, REST API documentation on a Windows platform. That's not something I've ever done, right? So, yeah. Oh, there's a chance you're trying to create it open to give a chance to let other folks sort of expand how this might be yes. successful or work. I don't consider what I've experienced to be the be all and end all at all. Like I know there's way more stories out there that should be told. Yeah. Oh, that's 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 really great. So you have fo folks can write on that and they can write on all different sorts in different environments or situations. Yes. On there. So how was this book received in the community and maybe different communities, right? Because it was broad based, you know, your audience was right. by divide, by purpose was large. What was the, or, you know, was broad, I should say. Right. What was the response? So the OpenStack community was really wonderful about it. Um, Doug Hellman has written Python books for ages and he was super supportive. Um, you know, other developers were super excited for me to tell the story, I think. Um, and then as it kept kind of getting wider in my, you know, my little world, um, write the docs, I went to, they have a conference in Portland in the spring, and then this week they're in Prague um, for a write the docs Europe. But in the spring, I went to this conference and one of the talks, I had not submitted a talk, um, but one of the talks was called, um, gosh, I'd have to look up the title again. Um, docs like code, um, practical applications or something like that. And the very first line was something like, well, you know, this is all the buzzwords today, but I'm here to tell you how it really works. And I had to sit there very nervously. I had no idea if she had heard of my book. I had no idea if she, you know, knew that a lot of us were kind of wondering what she thought of this, you know, and, um, in the first like 10 minutes, she mentioned the book and she's like, Anne Gentle's book wasn't out yet. So I had to figure this out on my own. <laughs> and that was exactly what I was looking for. Like the kind of input where I could be useful, I could be helpful and writing it down mattered. And people still could figure out in their own environment what works best for them, right? Um, so that was a big win. Well then not two to four weeks later, um, a man in Germany read the book um, and gave it one star in um, Goodreads, which is like oh, a collection, yeah. right? Where you and I was like, oh, what? Oh, what? That, that, but you, no you comment, know. you know, just one star. Oh, so that's the worst, right? When it's like one star yeah. but no explanation. Well, I'm I like, why? What? Yeah, <laughs> but this has a good ending because I reached out to him on Goodreads and I was like, can you explain more? Um, then I found through more searching, he had written a long form blog post about why he couldn't recommend it to his coworkers. And I was like, oh, wow, this is so useful. Like after the initial, like, 
oh no yeah that pit of the stomach right like, oh no, then it so hard oh but feedback is so useful and i'm really gonna take the start and figure out what we can do to improve so i invited him to the private repo i was like do you mind logging issues i logged every i read the entire post i logged an issue in the github repo for everything that i said yes we need to discuss this again i need to look at it again and honestly that was another really good driver for the second edition and so you know he pointed out where this microservices thing was really convoluted and i agreed um he you know he just had really good points that and every single one of them I could incorporate incorporate into the second edition. So that's so fantastic. Yeah, that you reached yeah, out to him yeah. and asked for because I think a lot of us might just be scared to hear what they might I say know. or will they, you know, will they just brush me off and say, go away? I right. Don't, you know, or you're too stupid to even reach out. Like, yeah. Right. Yes, I mean, yes. you never know. Like, what? Honestly, I think that's pretty courageous as anyone, you know. If somebody, well, yeah. Uh, one somebody star, I totally don't know. Yeah. Wait, some stranger who gave you one star, I honestly, I'm not going to lie. I think I would be very nervous. I would, yes. I would like to think I would do that, but I think I would be extremely be brave. nervous. Be brave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because. <laughs> that I, it sounds like that experience gave you in some ways a really uh, some momentum and ideas about how to improve or and validated in some cases it sounds like you agreed and maybe yes like because it's always that moment when you hit publish and then you're like oh yeah but I should have done x y and z yes it, right yeah <laughs> and another thing I learned is like I decided to go ahead and release an epub version before kindle and before print well it was great to get the early feedback, but the downside was people wanted different versions, and so maybe they paid attention only in the early days, and they're like, I'll, uh, I'm sure I'll remember to go back and buy the printed. Well, then maybe they never remembered, right? So I am not doing that with a second edition. Everything is going to come out at the same time if I can do it. <laughs> wait, so wait, tell me again why you didn't do that the first time? I decided to get the EPUB out so that I could get as much feedback as early as possible. Mm. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, especially with a printed edition. Oh, it's I mean, so frozen. Ah, yeah, yeah. You know, and did you always see this as sort of an alpha or very, like that the first version that you would iterate on it? Or what Definitely. was your perspective? You did. Yes. And even in OpenStack, um, the first book we wrote, the Operations Guide, is a book sprint. Um, we ended up publishing it ourselves. And then O'Reilly came in and said, We really need a book like this in our catalog. Can we work with you? And they understand open source licensing. And we worked through all of the kinks and so they actually did an entire like full production edit on the book and made it better and their technical editors are amazing and could really ask us good probing questions so I always feel like even a book can be iterated upon with great results got it so when you so was there ever a moment when you got that feedback or putting it out into the world where you worry you know like you, were you worried, like, oh my gosh, is this going to completely fall flat? Oh, well, every day. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I worry about that with my blog posts. I mean, I'm yes. definitely better now, and I'm like, just ship it every week. I just, yeah, I yeah. ship and I move on. But yeah. something where you spend a lot of time, six months to a year, working on something. Yeah. You know, and how did you handle? How did you sort of handle that? Well, you know, I still remember giving a presentation at Rackspace in the early days of how we were going to do OpenStack Docs, where I had a slide where I said. I think this is the way to go. I have bet my career on it. Mm. And I really believe that. It doesn't mean that I think I'm right in all the ways of what we do with docs like code, but guess what? I don't ever want a job where I don't treat docs this way. 
Mm, that's powerful. And I had another tech pubs manager tell me that too. And I'm like, this, there is a nugget of something there when this is the way we want to write for sure. And so was it just kind of keeping that in mind? Yeah. Did you kind of get through? And the thing that I'm struggling with now is still the, well, what parts are wrong or what parts mm. only work because of the special circumstances I was in, right? And so my next thing, I, I got to get the second edition done, but my next idea is that we have all of this data, right? So GitHub offers public APIs where you can actually see all the activities and goings on in your repository. We should, and they do, um, if you use Google Cloud Engine, um, they're actually exporting the data every night of all the open repositories. So my next idea is like we need to have a way so that you can study with data have your docs gotten behind your code is it better to write docs with everyone reviewing it or with a small team is it better to you know there has to be some best practices that we can sort of pull the levers on by actually studying the data um, and so Troy Howard, he um, was one of the original technical writers at Twitter that developed dev.twitter.com, right? Their, their mm -hmm. REST API docs. He has a side project too, and it's called Code Words, and he's doing the same thing. And so I'm going to start working with him on like, how can we start to say um, with the data we have, and it, between the two of us, we have like seven years of data, um, that we know which practices will fall flat and which ones to go ahead and pursue team size, specialty area, how often you patch, how often you review, all of these things. Do they make a difference in the actual outcome? So well, what will the, will, will that be a different a book, a different? Um, I'm trying to think of it as a product manager. And what I would love to have is a webhook you can install on your repo that would just run the analysis for you. The only thing I can't quite figure out is whether anybody would want this because if it tells you something is wrong, do you really want to be told that? I don't know. Because um, I don't believe in like shame-based behavior management. <laughs> Mm, yeah. So I, so I, you can tell I'm management yeah. over the carrot. Right. Yes. So I'm, I'm really struggling with like, and I'm, the entire difficulty with documentation, of course, is that the outcome may not have anything to do with the way you wrote it in the first place. Hmm. So you have to look at web analytics if you're building a website and correlate to the collaboration analytics on the source side. It's a complex problem with a lot of. Uh, data levers that you can pull. So, yeah, yeah. So that's what you're, you're you know, you're going to finish up the second edition of uh, the next edition of the book, and then you're starting to work on this other thing, and you're not really sure what that format. Yeah, be. yeah. Starting to noodle on like, well, how can we do data-driven, outcome-oriented docs analysis? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's so. It, it it's so it's so fascinating. It sounds like. What I hear in you is that you just like new ideas about how to have impact or, or give back to this world and write yeah. things down, even document, document yes. the documentation. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I think that's what draws me to product management somewhat um, is, you know, the person who wrote it down is the one who wins. <laughs> mm. Where it's like, yeah, it, ideas are cheap. Implementation is hard. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Implementation is everything. Yeah. It's, it's actually really, really hard. Yes. Uh, and we, we prize ideas. And ideas are, are important, but the implementation of it can just really mean a massive difference. Yes. So if you found 
let's say you, you know, if somebody was already doing something, do you think you would still go after and try to write something like that and do better on it? Or are you really driven by this thing doesn't exist, but I think it should? Oh, I mean, I had those notes like kind of on my Google Drive. And then I met Troy Howard at Write the Docs, who had already set up this website code words with a Z. And so like, I think that that uh, that constantly happens where um, especially if I'm trying to surround myself with individuals who see the world, you know, um, in new ways, I, I think it's going to be great for me to then collaborate with him. Happy to. Hmm. He's a way better Python developer than I'll ever be. So like, <laughs> yeah. Right. So yes, the collaboration, but what if there was something that already had existed, something that was like docs, like code at, let's say it did, let's say it did exist. Oh, do you think sure. you still would have tried to write something or are you really you know what i'm get, trying to get at yeah like, i'm trying I, to put in the world what's what what's missing or I, are you trying to you know no, what I mean? i'm really not because i think some of the feedback even i get on my own writing is and you're assuming they know too much and so i'm mm. always kind of doing the futuristic vision world instead of like if i had to teach technical writing 101 i don't know if i could do it <laughs> mm. Right. And so it is hard for me to sort of parse it all down to pieces and bits of well, what am I assuming that people know? And yeah, yeah, that's mm. tough. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Gosh, I really have enjoyed hearing the background of Docs Like Code and how you got into all of this. Um, I'm really glad that you came on the show. Thank you so much for taking a chance on a stranger on the Internet who just said, hey, will you come on my unknown show? I love it, Susan. It's great. And when I saw you had coaching background, I thought, oh, man, this is the universe telling me something. I got to tell my story. It's great. I appreciate it so much. Oh, that's so great. I love that you like that, that coaching background. People either have really, I find that people are either very, very, very suspicious of me or they're like, hello, my people. <laughs> Not much. Once in a while, they're like, huh, coaching. But, um, but, but I love that. I find that it's like either you, you really embrace me or you're like, oh, no, no, no. I'm running away from you. So I'm really glad that no, you are glad more you of the, found me. And yeah, thanks so much for reaching the embracing out. Type. Yeah. Yes. Thank you again.